The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. to everyone around the world, and our welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Bambergas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's interview, the full interview, and all of our material, you know what to do by now. Go to our subscribe button on VeritasRadio.com click on it and you will receive your login immediately. Don't wait any longer. Give yourself the gift of truth. And tonight we discuss near-death experiences with our special guest, Daniel Brinkley, whose near-death experience is perhaps the world's most well-known near-death experience. Officially dead for over 28 minutes, he has written three best-selling books about his experiences He has had more than one near-death experience. It was Daniel's first near-death experience that brought the term NDEs, and near-death experiences, into the mainstream consciousness. It's coming up right now on Veritas. Daniel Brinkley is the best-selling author of The Secrets of the Light, Saved by the Light, and At Peace in the Light. He is loved and respected worldwide for his inspirational lectures on the near-death experience, palliative and hospice care, complementary and alternative healing practices, and self-awareness. Since 1977, Daniel has worked diligently looking for the best way to integrate conventional and complementary medicine. Having survived numerous brushes with death since 1975, Daniel is an expert in the dying process. He was struck twice by lightning and has since survived heart failure open-heart surgery, ruptured subdural hematomas, brain surgery, and a massive grand mal seizure. That first lightning strike radically changed his life. Daniel became a hospice and nursing home volunteer. For almost 40 years of volunteer service, he has been at the bedside of hundreds of people at the point of death and more than 2,000 during their final days, acquiring more than 16,000 hours of service. And to learn more about Daniel Brinkley and his work, Visit his website at Danion.com. That's D-A-N-N-I-O-N.com, which is also linked at ours. And directly from Las Vegas, Nevada, I would like to introduce, for the first time on Veritas, Danion Brinkley. Hello, Danion, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Hey, Mel, I'm fine, and thank you for having me. I could just hang up now after you read all that stuff, Mel. <laughs> well, Danion, as we always do on this radio program, and I know... Most of our audience know, knows who you are, but for those who do not know, we'd like to start from the beginning. How does your story begin? 
Well, it began in 1950 when I was born. And I grew up in the Deep South, you know, and everybody goes to hell where I came from. And I was, grew up as a tough guy, Mel. You know, I'm a big man. And uh, I thought that the way you got your way was you hit it in the face as hard as you could first. And then you began to discuss whatever the issues were. So I played sports and uh, went into the Marine Corps. And and it was just a, that, basic, that basic personality of jackass. And then... Uh, one afternoon in September, I was struck by lightning. And I went from a guy who had absolutely no spiritual inclination because I didn't buy fundamentalist Christianity. I thought it was absurd when I was a kid. And I didn't buy it, so I rejected all that stuff. I couldn't be a New Age hippie because I, I didn't understand flower power. I understood destruction. And so... Or... uh conquest. And so I never had any idea of, and Raymond Moody's legendary book had not been published called Life After Life. And I was talking on the telephone and lightning hit the telephone. It came down the phone line. It hit, went through the telephone and melted it in my hands. And it welded the nails of the heels of my shoes as it went down my spine. I had a pair of bass weegins on, and that means that the heels are nailed into the shoe. Well, it, the lightning passed through me into the nails in the heels of the shoes, and they happened to be over nails in the floor and grounded me. And it, when you stop to think of how much electricity must have been passing through my body to weld nails, you know, the aftermath of that is easy to understand. I was dead for 28 minutes. I was completely paralyzed for six days, partially paralyzed for seven months, and it took me two years to learn to walk and feed myself. And in the course of that, I had what is now known as the legendary near-death experience. I became famous, Mel, because a guy named Dr. Raymond Moody was a medical student at the hospital they brought me to, a medical student going to med school. And his book came out in 75, and I met him in late 76 because I was just getting up. And I spent the next 20 years with Raymond, pushing and supporting the toilet, uh, pushing and supporting uh, the near-death experience, you know, and being at the very beginning and the birth of this movement, the very beginning and the very birth of it. And so that's just who I am. And I've been a hospice volunteer because there is a part in the pa in the near-death experience called the panoramic life review that changes everybody's life forever, or it doesn't. And that's how you can tell uh, a near-death experience when people have them. Because as a coined phrase, Mel, everybody can say near-death experience and a certain spiritual concept becomes viable in our society because Raymond gave this experience the name, the near-death experience. So people have a cover and a cloak that they can describe experiences, and it becomes acceptable psychology, and people don't immediately think that they're crazy. You were clinically, and that's it. You were clinically dead for 28 minutes, so it's, it's difficult to comprehend how you were able to come back. But how long did it really feel 
while you were dead and roaming heaven or the spirit world, going through life review and, and everything else? Probably 27 years. I so mean, time... I went, through, I went through from my birth. I mean, I lifted out of my body. I wasn't paralyzed. I was paralyzed. I was on fire, like burning and drinking battery acid. I couldn't move. I did not know what happened to me. Then all of a sudden, I lift up out of my body. I have no framework. But wherever I was, Mel, was better off than where I had just left. You know, my mindset was, I am free of that body, and I'm not in pain. And because I was blind, the ball of fire that came through the room when the lightning came, it burnt my eyes, and I had to wear welder's glasses for probably two years because my eyes couldn't take the light. So I was blind, but when I lifted out of my body, I could see. So then it was the ambulance ride, and uh, the last thing I heard was, he's gone, he's gone, and that was in the ambulance with the paramedics. And the next thing is I'm moving down this tunnel. And this tunnel's moving whether I'm moving or not, and I come into this place of the most beautiful, serene, silver blue light. Okay, and a sense of comfort. The, uh, it's hard to describe it in in human emotional terms, but it's uh, it's knowing you know this place where you are, and you're safe there. But it also knows you. You know, you're a part of it, and it is a part of you. And both of those are conscious patterns. I'm obsessive compulsive male. And after three of these experiences, over a 22-year period, I analyze every component of them. So if I over-analyze, it's just my basic personality. So you come into this place, and once you're there, I never had anyone that I knew come to see me. But I know, based on talking to not hundreds but thousands of people, and more, probably about 700 who's had this experience. They're all met by relatives and friends. I feel like that didn't happen to me, Mel, because if it would have happened to me, then I probably would not have wanted to come back because I didn't want to come back from the very beginning. But most people meet their relatives and their friends. That did not happen to me. But this being, I saw this being, and this is a funny uh, compulsion of mine, but... When I was in this place, this blue, silvery place, and at, and being at peace, I decided to become aware of Daniel, not the person and the sensing and all of that, but just who I was as an ego, okay? Because the last point of ego I remember was when they said, he's gone. Okay, now I've come through the tunnel, I've come to this place of light, I'm safe, I'm at peace, and I'm left-handed, but I decided to look down at my right hand. Now, for me, I would normally, in any other level of time, look at my left hand. So I looked at my right hand, and I didn't have a right hand when I first looked down. And the right hand did not appear for probably a fraction of a second, and it formed out of the mist, just like the hand that I have in front of me now. And I looked at it, and my fingers seemed like they were longer, But I looked at it and saw I had presence other than spiritually or or mentally. 
And then I saw a movement or a being coming toward me. And I can remember when I took my consciousness or focus away from my hand, it became back into the mist, into this blue silvery mist. And then this being of light came to me. And this being, and people say angels and God and Buddha and Muhammad and Allah, they have all these names for this being. But I sincerely believe that this being is your higher consciousness. It's really you, meaning you. Because after the second near-death experience, some 13 years after the lightning, I had been through enough to, when I was facing open-heart surgery, which I watched the open-heart surgery, until they took my heart out and stopped it. Then I'm back down the tunnel. And I'm paying attention to this being because the process is the same, and I've had 13 years to think about it. And so watching it, I went to a different place the second time than I went the first time, but I went through the same steps to get there. And these are common, this is probably 60% between 55 and 65% or 63% of the people who have these near-death experiences. So once I met this being, it was like being in the presence of a, a good friend who knew you for all that you are and that it was safe and you didn't have to have any big secrets or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, I saw my whole life pass before me in a 360-degree panoramic life view, a hologram of my birth. I mean, literally everything that was in the room when they pulled me out of my mom. I always used to say I knew how many hairs was in the nose of the doctor who pulled me from my mother because it's that acute. We are great, powerful, and mighty spiritual beings, Mel. And we have reduced ourselves to think ourselves in the ego of a human being because we've begun to realize that our life as a human is to gratify and to preserve. We're either trying to protect ourselves or preserve or gratify ourselves as a psychology, but that's not really who we are. So when you see your whole life pass before you, you watch it from a first-person point of view. Then at the same time, you watch it from a second-person point of view as though you were your own best friend. You know, seeing some of the smartest things you've done and some of the stupidest things you've done, and you're forming an opinion about what you're naturally seeing. Then you literally will become every person that you encounter. And you will feel the direct results of your interaction between you and that person. You become them. Well, right there, Mel, was the point that changed me forever. Because when I realized I was the people I was interacting with, all the damage, the emotional pain and anger and and anxiety because of my personality that I had created in so many people, it was unbelievable what a jackass Whew, I was. <clears throat> so when I realized that, and I became every person, I realized we're all one. There are certain byproducts of that psychology. We're all one. There's a common essence that flows through us all, and nothing has changed that since 1975. And there's a common essence between us, and this is... We this is a, a, not a quite a reality that we've created to experiment spiritually in human form in, and then at the end of that life review, there comes this one simple question: 
if the divine, or what you believe to be divine, or if God could not come today, and God sent you, in the life you just reviewed, what difference did you and God make? I became a hospice volunteer. I quit being an asshole. And I became a hospice volunteer because I knew what was next. And I understood what people were going through because I had been in pain for years. I'm still in pain for years. And I understood everything they've gone through. Catastrophic illness. Uh, in uh, Anxiety of not being able to walk and the pain of being paralyzed and the emotional anxiety and all the things that people go through as they face what we call death. So I figured that if God couldn't come today and he sent me, then the best place I could be was helping them gateway from this world to the next. And I created the Twilight Brigade after one of the largest end-of-life care volunteer programs for dying veterans in American history. And I have 6,000 people in 22 states who die with veterans because I am one. And uh, they are an underserved population because most people don't understand what a, a veteran, especially combat, absolutely, has gone through in defense of them. Like, to, you know, we go back to war in Syria today. We are going back to war. We have to overthrow Syria to break Iran, the Middle Eastern concept of what was called Greater Syria, and it's probably from the 900s. The mindset's probably from 900 after the Common Era. Now you and you, so that's what, who I am. One thing is that uh, after you went through all of this, you started looking at life. Even when we we were talking offline before starting, you have this humor that overtook you. Even after your first incident, you even said. I remember looking down at myself and thinking, I always thought it was better looking than that. That's what I did. Yeah. That's honesty. You know, when people go and tell these stories, I am not, uh, I am not, um, let's see how, what would be a term? I'm not new age. I mean, I'm a 64-year-old guy born in South Carolina who's been through these experiences and has been there since the beginning. I, I remember the early days. You know, I was just re-watching something that Raymond and I did in 1991 about with Joan Rivers. And it was on uh, on YouTube. And it was a show she had. And, uh, Raymond and I were experimenting on the centers, create, trying to create the best possible way to recreate what was over there. We had what was called the John Dee's Memorial Theater of the Mind. And... Uh, Joan had all of us, because near-death experiences, about every two years, we come back in the style. I can watch the cycles of when people get interested in death, the death of a great person, or uh, the transition of a person, and then people start looking, or the loss of a relative, or, you know, especially the losing of a child. It brings us back, and it was a show then, probably 91, and... uh Raymond and I were working on this. I had no books. Raymond had written a couple, but we were working on it. And Joan Rivers had an out-of-body experience. And to watch the the person on that on that tape, Mel, as opposed to the person that we commonly think of as Joan Rivers, the the value is completely different. It's a whole other person. She's crying, and you know she's describing 
our experience. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.